0: Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. For keeping us safe, getting us here. Lord, I ask that you quiet our hearts. There are so many outside distractions, so many things going on around us. so many things that get in the way. And so Lord, we come recognizing that that's a part of our life and yet laying that at the altar in front of you and and reminding ourselves that this is a special time. This is a special time to gather, to spend time together to worship you and Lord, to read your word, to hear your voice. And so Lord, I ask this morning that you not allow those things to get in our path, to get in our way. That Lord, we would slow down long enough to allow ourselves to hear from you. That we would be reminded that each day is a gift to not be taken for granted. Lord, we thank you for that opportunity. We thank you, Lord, for your word. It reminds us that you are good. Lord, teach us through your word today what good leadership looks like, what leadership that you would have us uh, do looks like. Lord, as we are leaders of our families and our, uh, where we work, and Lord, uh, of the church, in different places in our lives, we, we are called to lead. As believers in Christ, we have a responsibility to lead. And so, Lord, as we look at this chapter 2 of Timothy, I pray. I pray, Lord, most of all, that you would remind us that we still have lots to learn. Remind us that we haven't already made it. And yet, you continue to improve and challenge us, and so, Lord, I ask this morning that Your Word would do that. In Your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> First Timothy chapter two. Hang on, kids. It's an inter- it's an interesting chapter. It says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and mankind. The man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This is how we, this has now been witnessed to at the proper time. For this purpose I was appointed a herald and an apostle. And I am telling the truth. I'm not lying, I a, a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Therefore I want the men everywhere to pray. Lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety. Adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds. Appropriate for women who profess to worship God. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man... She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with propriety. May God add his blessing as we continue to sing this morning. Thank you for this morning. Lord, as our scripture reminds us today, that we need to pray for all those we come in contact with. It so says pray for everyone. And so Lord, we pray for those who are our enemies. We pray for those in the government. we pray for Lord for those we come in contact with, that we cross paths with. Paul reminds Timothy that they have value as believers, as leaders in Christ, we have a responsibility. And so, Lord, we ask for the best for those who we come in contact with, that we would be open and willing and able to share what you have on our hearts for them. Thank you for your love and your care. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And if you're a child, you can child or church or something. Whoa! (laughs) That's a kibby that doesn't take much. (laughs) If I'd if I'd have grabbed Blake, we'd have been okay. But Mason, nah, (laughs) he's not taking that. (laughs) He's not gonna take that from me. Uh, So I have to laugh. Last Sunday, last Sunday afternoon, my wife says, Ah, nice sermon, nice, nice scripture to read, for, or nice scripture uh, to preach next week. And I don't know if you read it. I hope you read it. I hope you heard it. And I said, Okay, well, that's fine. I'll just take the back half of that passage off and I, won't, I just won't read it and we won't have to deal with it. How's that? Everybody okay with that? No. Or, or I got another option. We'll just put all the women on one side and all the guys on the other side, right? That's what they used to do, that's the old school thing. They could, well, and then they put little doors so you couldn't even get out, right? You could. It's a challenging passage, is it not? It's a challenging passage in 2021. 22. Yeah, we actually made it to 22. Thanks, Veronica. (laughs) I forgot. Did you read the scripture? You're supposed to be silent. (laughs) I'm just teasing, (laughs) Veronica. I'm just. (laughs) No. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> Uh-oh, I started a fight in the front row. <laughs> I went to church and a fight broke out. Beautiful. <laughs> this passage, though, it's got a lot in it. It's loaded. I, I Sometimes I felt all week it was kind of loaded. Like, okay, here's a, here's a landmine. If you put every verse in the aisle, I'm going to try to sneak my way through. And I didn't want to say, well... Uh, I didn't want to just slide around it, right? I I'm not interested in doing that either. I'm not interested in saying, well, I don't know. No clue. But I want to look at what the leadership piece of this is. Why is Paul telling uh, Timothy what he's telling him? In the whole passage, the whole chapter, not just the last verse or two, right? But the whole passage. Because if we're going to be good leaders of faith, Then we need to understand what it means for us. And we have to be careful, and this is where the challenge is in this this chapter. We have to be careful that we don't pull out one verse and not look at the others. We we, We have to be very careful that we don't say women should learn in quietness and full submission and miss, gentlemen, the fact that ours is first. And it says, men everywhere ought to lift up their holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. And just so you know, that comes before that piece where Paul talks about women. I put that out there because as good leaders, that, that there needs to be some understanding of what's going on here. We're quick to take uh, one, two, three, four, five, five, or six verses about women and, and forget about the whole other part of this ver- this chapter. And that challenges me, and it challenged me all week, in complete honesty, uh, where to go with this, how to deal with this, and what what to say, what not to say, right? Because we understand that this was in a different time. And so that would be the easy answer. Well, it's not today, so, so forget it. But that doesn't line up with our thoughts about Scripture. That doesn't line up with our understanding that God's Word is the same and helpful today as it was then. It'd be easy to say, well, we moved on from this. We're better than this now. But it's in the Bible. And it's challenging. And I hope it challenges you. That's the goal of scripture. If you come and you aren't bothered by this passage at all, I'm concerned. If you come and you say, Well, yeah, this is how I treat my wife every day, I'm concerned. Right? Yeah. Your ex wife, yeah. This chapter is challenging. It's challenging not only uh, to our faith, but really for us to sit down. I'm doing. We started a marriage uh, elective, and it's like, yeah, this is a great this is a great passage to start out on. Uh, so let's let's back up and start at the beginning because I think that's important. Let's talk about what happens at the beginning and what Paul is telling Timothy. Remind I'm reminding you that Timothy was. Um, was a young pastor being uh, taught by Paul. Um, We do see further on uh, where Timothy and Paul, uh, Paul has taught Timothy the things. He mentored him and taught him and trained him. And so this is like the primer. This is the first thing that's going on. And so Paul has put this out there to help Timothy get rolling, to keep uh, the church and make it solid, And for Timothy to be able to understand what it meant to worship God. See, they didn't have it online. They didn't have a YouTube uh, tutorial to to be able to do it. They didn't have iPhones, as the countdown talked about. Um, For people to be able to just text somebody, so Paul, what do I do now? I got a problem. They they didn't have that. And so in a lot of ways, Timothy was on his own. He was out on his own trying to do what was right trying to figure out how to lead the best way, the way God would have him to lead. And the first thing that that comes to mind in this passage, and for us as leaders, uh, wherever you're leading, so I don't let anybody, no one gets to be not a leader. We all are leaders in some way, shape, or form. Even kids, we watch kids be leaders uh, in a group of kids playing dodgeball, right? Someone has to say, hey, Let's play dodgeball. And someone has to say, I, I'm on a team. let, let me, We'll pick, I'll pick the teams. right? And so we have all these people who are leaders, and they're leaders in different places. Leadership points outward. Paul says, listen, you need to be, uh, I need to urge you to pray and intercede and be thankful for all people. You need to look outward. If all we have is a club in the, the four walls here, we're not doing what God wants us to do. This is not a club. This is rather a ministry where we point out your circle of friends. My, I went to a Christmas party on Friday with my wife, and I've, I don't know, she's been there 10 years, 11 years, 11 years, so I pretty much know everybody-ish, Right? But I realized very quickly that that's still not my circle of friends. As close as my wife and I are to each other, as much as she tells me about what goes on at work, that's not the same circle. We have my circle intersects her circle. I know those people, but I don't know them nearly as well as she knows them. And I know this will be hard for you to believe, but when I went to that, I go to that party, I'm an introvert. I just sit there and listen to them talk about work. I I don't... I don't get too awful involved because that's not my circle. That's not my circle of influence. That's not the people I connect with. It's not where I uh, I go there once or twice a year uh, for an appointment that my wife forces me to go to. Um, (laughs) She's like, "Do you want to have your money there or not?" Well, then answer the phone. (laughs) But her circle of friends is not my circle of friends. Your circle of friends is not my circle of friends. We can be very close friends, but that doesn't mean we have the same circle of friends. And it's why the be neighbors, make neighbors, and build God's neighborhood makes so much sense. My neighbor is Kenny Barnett. The only other person that has him as a neighbor is the neighbor on this side and the neighbor on that side. You might know Kenny, but he's not your neighbor. You don't know what he does it. You don't know that he lights his little... Uh, his. Uh, star in the east most every night for around the Christmas season. You might see it once in a while but it's pretty much every and when it doesn't light we, we ask him what's going on because it's important. He might be your friend. He might be related but he's not your neighbor. And so each of one of us have a different circle which we come in contact with. And why is that important? It's important because God says it's important. He says it's good. Because he wants all men, all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's our responsibility, church. We need to point outward. You can blame it on the pastor if you'd like. But but the scriptures do not support that. My responsibility is to share it as well but that doesn't mean you don't have to share it because you're not the pastor or you're not the leader. We all have a responsibility to share our faith in our neighborhood. In our neighborhood, those who we work and come in contact with, those who we're connected to, those who we might wave as we go by, Those are our neighborhood. We look out for our neighbors, do we not? When my neighbor's dogs get out every once in a while and they come up to my house every once in a while, I make sure I let my neighbors know, hey, your dogs are up here and I don't want them to get hit on the road. Why? Not because I'm the best neighbor or anything, but I feel like that's being a good neighbor. That's what being a good neighbor is. It's looking out for those. It's sharing with those. When something happens in our neighborhood, it's making sure that they know we care. It's honking the horn and waving uh, when you go by. Leadership as a believer, there's a big chunk of our life that should be reflecting that. And I just need to remind you, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. Leadership will cost you. One of the things that I I am going to uh, share at the deacon's uh, meeting tomorrow night and probably all year will be to remind people when you get on a board, it will cost you. And if it doesn't cost you anything, you're probably not doing it the right way. It should cost you some time. It should cost you some energy. It might even give you some frustration. It's going to cost. It's not a nice tag or a label you get to put on your shirt, deacon or trustee or missions or Christian ed. It's a leadership role. And as, as we watch how leadership should look, where we're, we're reminded that, you, you know, when, when we started a long, long time ago in America, it cost people a year of their lives. They would give time to be invested, and they would only go for a time, and they would go home. Why? Because someone had to take care of their farm at some point. It cost them to be involved in the government. Church, it's going to cost us to be involved in leadership. And that's okay. It should be that way. It should hurt a little bit. It should remind us that it's a privilege to help others grow in faith. It's a privilege to keep this building so we can use it any given time. It's a privilege to be able to send funds to missions all over the world. It's a privilege to make programs that help our young people and our old people continue to grow in their faith. That's a privilege. It's a privilege to share and protect the spiritual walk of this church. That is a privilege. And it's not only in name. It's not only in a tag that we get, but rather it's more importantly an honor to serve God in that way. Remember that good leadership, spiritual leadership, points outward. Outward. Secondly, secondly, good spiritual leadership makes God first. You see this picture I've been using, I used this last week. Someone's leading this group, and it it happens to be red. And we have to ask ourselves, are we putting God first? The scripture here says, For there is only one God, one mediator between God and men. The man Jesus Christ, who God gave himself a ransom for all. I gotta ask you. Who's in first place in your life? I don't want God, Jesus, and the Bible answer. I want you to seriously consider that. Who's in first place in your life? See, it's easy to say, well, I go to church on Sunday, and I I go on Wednesday, and... Obviously, God's in first place. The challenge in a good leader... And the challenge for a good leader is to ask ourselves, am I putting God in first place? Is he honestly the first thing in my life? See, because a lot of times, here's the struggle. He's the first thing in my life that's not me. I have to preserve my own life. What about me? Is God in the first place in your life? Are you making him first? If you're not making him first, everything else you do is tainted. You might remember this passage Matthew 6. Jesus is talking. He says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. For if you do, you will have no reward from the Father in heaven. Be careful. Be careful. Look at me. I'm a good, huh? Let me put my collar up. That's that's the. No, that's cool, honey. That's cool. That's what cool people do. I need my sunglasses too. <laughs> you don't have to mock me. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others. What does that mean? What's it look like in your own life? We like to call it tooting our own horn. That's what the Pharisees did. And that's where we're, you know, that's what God's talking about. Jesus is talking about it and this is listen, be careful. Be careful. And he goes on and he talks, it's actually a really awesome chapter, Matthew chapter six. But I want to share with you what happens at the end. Because the end of the story, the end of this passage is really uh, telling for the re- for the rest of it. This is one of the last verses in that chapter, or in that section of the chapter in, Ma- in Matthew six. He says, "For where your treasure is, your heart will be also." Do you see the connection? He says, "Listen." what you find most important will be reflected by how you do things to other people. How you show your righteousness, how you share that with other people will be reflected, a reflection of your heart. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. If your treasure is being reminded how good you are, then your heart is there. If your treasure is doing God's will, your heart will be there. He says, be careful. Be careful. What he's saying is, deny yourself, right? And Mark, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. That's a pretty tough thing for that Jesus said. But it's what we need to do if we're going to follow him. If, if we're going to follow him with all we have, we have to deny ourselves. We have to step back. And not give ourselves all the things that we want, not fulfill every need we want, but rather deny our own uh, wanderings and our own uh, desires and begin to change and to stretch ourselves and to ask ourselves is this what God wants for me in my life? Is this the direction I need to go? Do I need to do something different? Essentially, am I putting God first in my life? Do I really believe that that cross was enough for me? Do I really believe that Jesus went to the cross and died for me? For my sins, or am I just okay with that idea? Do I honestly believe that I have sinned? Right, because scripture is pretty plain. We all have sin. Am I putting God first in my life? It's challenging. It's challenging, I think, most of all, because we quickly say yes, but we don't always respond in that way. We don't always respond in a way that reflects, am I, I'm putting God first. I don't know. Maybe it's me. I can hear a noise. Maybe I'm hearing noises. Are you guys hearing noises? Maybe I'm losing it. (laughs) Is it rain? Oh, okay, good. I thought <laughs> I was losing my mind. I, you know, some, I might be. And finally, spiritual leadership is always learning. Always learning. I said it at the beginning, and I want to say it again. If you read the second half, or you heard me read the second half, and you think you have that all figured out. That obviously, uh, that women need to not say a thing and not do a thing. And women are the only reason we, we have sin. And let's see, what else could you pull from that if you tried real hard? Uh, they shouldn't have hair. Or, well, at least don't don't do it. It shouldn't be clean. No gold, no pearls, no expensive clothes. Did you hear that, honey? <laughs> if you read through that and you say, oh, "I got it all figured out," let me challenge you. Let me challenge you that one. There's a lot of other verses to work with, other than these that we have to make sense of, right? Because just this one, just this, a couple of the verses here it says, "Men everywhere, I want you to be praying with holy hands." I haven't seen any man lift up their hands in this sanctuary this morning. So if we're gonna so if we're gonna poke, if we're gonna poke at the women, the ladies of this church, um, guys, that was that was set in eight before uh, anything was said about the women. Now, the only person that has an out is Mark, because he can't play guitar with his arms up. <laughs> right? Think about that for a minute. See, because sometimes it's real easy to look at a scripture and just say, well, hello, it's written right here. And we miss the fact that, how about getting angry, guys? Ever get angry or dispute anything with anyone else? Ever come to church that way? Right? There's all, kinds of, there's all kinds of stuff in this chapter that we totally just kind of blow right by. Of course, and then we go right to this, right? Obviously, women need to dress modestly decently and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles, gold or pearls, expensive clothes, but with good deeds, appropriate for women who profess to worship God. I think sometimes we look at the front half of that verse and we totally miss the intent, which is the back half of that verse. Did you hear hear what Paul says? Your deeds should look more beautiful than your dress. If you are a follower of Jesus, what follows you with well, the work you're doing should look just as good as the makeup you're wearing or the clothes you're wearing. See, cuz all too often this is this is easy. Right? Don't you know that women aren't allowed to speak in church? Don't can't you can can you not read? And all too often that happens in the church setting. We take a verse and we just dump it because it right on people who we think it makes the most sense. That's the weirdest sound ever. Someone's on the roof. And here's what we forget to do. We forget to look at these verses through the eyes of the culture in which it was written, in the context in which it was written, and through cross-references, which there are lots. And Paul has a lot of different perspectives. And for different churches, he has uh, there are different understandings. The way uh, 1 Corinthians 14 is a great spot to go. He spends a lot of time in 1 Corinthians he talks in Acts about the Philippian church, which we get a good sense. I don't know that it's, it's not doesn't say that she was the first believer in Philippi, but a lady by the name of Lydia was one of the early converts in Philippi. And when she became a believer, she invited Paul to her house. And there's a real good chance that she was probably one of the leaders in that church in some way. She was a businesswoman. We get that from, it says that she dealt in fine cloth, purple cloth. And so we have to ask ourselves, and re- remember, they didn't have church like we have church now. They had house church. So there's a good chance that when she invited people to her house, one, she obviously had enough room to do that, two, That there was a good chance that she was involved in the church that I believe uh, Paul was most proud of in the New Testament. If if you want to read an encouraging book, read Philippians. Paul doesn't really have anything bad to say about them, he encourages them, he loves them, he had a special place in his heart for that church. We don't know that it was run by a woman, but we know that she was involved in that leadership. So I know what you came for. You came for this to be all answered, right? Answer the question, right? What what does this mean? I want to encourage you. Next Wednesday, we're going to work on this a little bit more on Wednesday night. It wasn't fair. It isn't fair. There's no way to go through the verses that are out there that give us different perspectives. There's no way to get all of that on a page or on a piece of paper or or presented on a Sunday morning. There's just too much. So this is my shameless plug for Wednesday night. If you haven't been to a Wednesday night, let me encourage you. It's a good time only thing you need is your Bible. The only thing you need is your Bible. We don't have, we don't have any other book. Um, we have our Bible and the Holy Spirit and a group of people who want to grow. That's what we have on Wednesday night. Starts at 7 o'clock. Let me encourage you that if you want to know more about this topic and about this passage, I want to look at the other passages that go along with this. Where Paul and other areas is talking about how how women should act and respond in the assemblies, in church. And then, not only do that, but ask ourselves, are we doing it the right way? Are we doing it according to Scripture? And why are we doing it the way we do it? See, leadership... It would have been much easier to not deal with this at all. But that's not good leadership. Leadership attacks things from from the front. It tackles uh, the difficult things even when we don't have all the answers. Because if there's one thing that I learned this week is that I am still learning and growing and being challenged by God's word. Because I could have given you all the cultural Background, the context, and I could have thrown a bunch of cross references up there. Right? And I could have just said, just believe me because I'm the pastor and I got it all figured out. And I could have given you my uh, understanding and my response. But at the end of the day, I don't think that's the right way to lead God's people. God's people need to think this through and to sort it out and ask ourselves, Where's the Spirit leading me in the midst of this passage? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that even in a passage that we, were, we could just blow right by, you put so much for us to unpack, so much for us to think about, so much for us to contemplate, And so, Lord, may it not be that we just blow right through something like this. May we stop and may your Spirit walk in our lives and teach us. Teach us what you have for us. Not to be culturally relevant, not to be right or wrong, Lord, but to understand what you have for us in this life. Lord, give us wisdom. Thank you for your Son, Jesus, who died on the cross. In your name we pray. Amen.